Welcome back to a brand new episode of Jory Sports Stories. As always, I'm your host, Jory, and on today's agenda, we've gotten quite the show for you. We've gotten quite the mix. We address the Lakers, Warriors, Suns, and more. We're continuing playoff coverage, even briefly discussing those who already purchased their tickets to Cancun. And who do you think won this year's NFL draft? We'll discuss that and more thoughts on this year's draft. And finally, on this week's edition of Joy's Timeout Session, I've got a mouthful to say about parody in sports, chirping, and the whole stuff versus LeBron thing, and more. This will be an episode that you don't want to miss, so tune in, turn your volume up, and let's get it. First things first, we start off in the NBA, where we have the conclusion of both the Lakers-Grizzlies series and the Warriors-Kings series to break down. And with the Suns-Nuggets series in full swing, we'll get to break that down as well. Also in this jam-packed segment, we discuss what's next for the teams that have already checked in to their vacation spots, and we'll also discuss all the other playoff series as well. So with that being said, let's get it popping. First things first, we're going to address the Lakers-Memphis series. The series concluded, LA Lakers won. And some of the questions that could be answered in the segment, what's next for Memphis in the long run? How scary can this Laker team be? And what happens when you continue to talk and quote-unquote poke the bear? So here's my thing. Memphis had a chance, one, until they opened their mouths, but in a in the grand scheme of things, Memphis ain't there yet. And they're missing a piece and a whole lot of maturity to go with it. And I don't like the way that they've been. I don't like what happened today. Like they've been trying to. I don't know how that story got out about they're not re-signing Dylan Brooks under any circumstances. You could have just said we're not going to re-sign him. Under any circumstances, was a little extra. Now you're making it seem like he was at fault for why y'all didn't do what y'all was supposed to do, right? But it wasn't just him. The lead talker of this bunch is Ja. It started with Ja. Ja's had all these behavior issues off the court, and you didn't think... You didn't think that his chirping... The immaturity that he has wasn't going to spread to the rest of the locker room. I mean, yeah, he definitely talked himself out of Memphis. He definitely single-handedly talked himself out of Memphis. But for them to sit here and release that, like it is just all of a sudden all Dylan Brooks' fault. No. No, because that whole series... We saw countless just mental errors. We saw immature mistakes. We saw, yeah, the chirping and whatnot. But for the past two to three years, we've seen this Memphis team have this maturity issue. It's not just Dylan Brooks. It's not just John Morant. It's not just Desmond Bain. It's the whole team. The whole team is a walking identity crisis. Because in all honesty, 
Y'all can say that Josh started this immature behavior. No, he didn't. They've been immature. His, his immature behavior just got spotlighted because he's a superstar, right? And he doesn't need to be acting like this, correct? But Dylan Brooks does not need to be the fall guy. Yeah, he poked a bear. But all of that aside, y'all have issues, internal issues that are bigger than Dylan Brooks. He flat out said he wanted a bigger role in Memphis. Y'all didn't want to give it to him. Let somebody else give, it, give him a chance. Now, do I see him offensively being a third option? No. There's a lot of actual responsibility that comes with some being a third option to score. But I believe, if he believes in himself, I believe in him. But he believes he's shown what he, sh he can do on a defensive end because he's more of a 3 and D player. He's more of a defensive stud. It's not even a stud. He's more of a defensive guy. He's not an offensive person. He's not okay with that. He wants to, I guess, translate his game to the offense as well. But from what I'm seeing, eh. So with this whole Memphis thing, if anybody needs to take full accountability for this team continuing to be immature, it's actually head coach Mr. Jenkins. One, because when they were dueling all of this – and they were winning, it was cute. It was funny. Now it's not cute. Now y'all look back because y'all got embarrassed and whatever. But he's got to rein that in. He's supposed to rein that in the second it started happening. Hey, we're not going to do this. We're going to take our wins gracefully. We're not going to act a fool. Act like you've been there. There is no problem with telling your players, act like you've been there and shut up. One person cannot be the fall guy for an organizational, for immaturity at the organizational level. Two people cannot be the downfall for collective immaturity. And if it's not just the, and it's not just off the court, it leaks onto the court. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Basketball wise, when you have a team that's young, and they've shown these tendencies to be very great, but they've also shown tendencies to flat out quit. And they give in and give up when the lights shine brightest. They're not ready to do anything serious in the playoffs. What does that tell you? They're not ready for any of that spotlight at this moment. Minus maybe jaw, period. But there's plenty of times in this series and the last playoff series that they've played where they physically and mentally check out and quit. We've seen them quit in this series by themselves. Like game four, I don't know. It was one of those games. Maybe it was two weeks ago I addressed this on the show. But game four, right? Was it game four? Yeah, because they ended in the six. Um, game four, they did not score the last three to four minutes. Three minutes and five seconds, they did not score. Now, granted, y'all can say that that was great defense by the Lakers. But I actually sat and watched that game. They quit. That's not an individual problem. That's a team problem. That's a coaching issues. Like I said, there's nothing wrong. There's absolutely nothing wrong with telling your players to act like they've been there. 
and to stop jawjacking before a playoff series. There's nothing wrong with telling them that. I understand that they're confident, and I don't want them to lose their confidence. But in certain situations, you got to learn when to shut up, man. And personnel-wise, I've always felt like they've needed to add another piece. Well, now they need about two or three more pieces because Villain Brooks won't be returning to that roster anytime soon. I think, in all honesty, Memphis and Dylan Brooks need a mutual divorce, and he needs to go find somewhere else. They need to add a veteran that's somewhat been there before. What The one veteran that they have that I can think of is Steven Adams. And what has Steven Adams done? I know he was on the team in Oklahoma. What are you doing? I know he was on the team in Oklahoma City. That uh, we know what happened to them. Wasn't he in New Orleans? They didn't do much. So he's the veteran. And they haven't done much. So they need to get a veteran that's somewhat been there before. They need to address this immaturity thing first. Also, Ja also needs to adjust his game. People are saying, no, he don't. Yes, he do. Because he's not going to last long doing the stuff that he's doing now and reduce the amount of times that he flies through the air like a human torpedo if he wants to be around in his league for a minute. He's also got to learn how to fall as well. He's getting himself hurt, and you think Memphis would be better about taking care of their star, but they're not. And on to the Lakers. Bottom line, if the Lakers really apply pressure and play well consistently, they'll be favorites for the NBA Finals. You can't just chalk it up to Dylan Brooks. You can chalk it up to Dylan Brooks all you want to. But if AD plays as dominant as that, there is close to nobody that can contend with him. And that's not being a Lake, me being a Laker fan, girl. That's me spitting facts. And with how good the bench has been playing, with how good the bench has been playing, LeBron doesn't have to be historically great for the Lakers to be successful. But we see what this team looks like when everybody plays well and LeBron goes off. This team, and I've seen it, now that they've gotten it together, is capable of slapping a 40-piece on pretty much anybody. But AD needs to continue to be dominant. And another thing, they're saying AD is inconsistent. Now, in this series... I'm not even taking the Eddie is inconsistent offensively thing. I'm not giving that no merit because when he's not offensively on fire, regardless, defensively what he means to this team is invaluable. Another point, I'm really starting to develop a little thing for Mr. Hachimura himself. Not only is his name kind of adorable, but his game is something else. He can get to the point. He can make his mid-range jumpers. He can shoot the floater, and he can shoot the three pretty well. And he's a very capable defender. Between him, Austin Reeds, and some other people on that bench, they're going to be difference makers in this Warriors series. The Lakers are very serious, are are very scary looking right now. 
And defensively, they've been on a tear for the past few weeks. They just got to keep it up. Warriors-Kings. Note, historically, Steph is top seven. The Sacramento Kings will be back. And what the Warriors-Lakers means. I'll get into that in just a second. So one can argue that the Sacramento Kings were like the baby versions of the Warriors, right? We saw them go toe-to-toe for seven games. The future, I believe, is in good hands. And with De'Aaron Fox and company, including Sabonis, they literally gave the Golden State Warriors a good run for their money. Both of these teams, both of these teams, excuse me, play such a similar style of basketball, It's made. it was made for must-see TV. Now that it's concluded and Sacramento's unfortunately going home, we can see that maybe Sacramento should kind of invest in the defensive side as well. They can score 150 points, but if they can, I need them to stop somebody from being able to score 150 points. We also have that they can shoot, but they need to get, also get better at stopping the other team from scoring. Golden State ended up at the end just being proven to be a little bit too much for them to handle, especially at the tail end of this series. I do believe right here and right now that Sacramento will be back next year. They're a young but mature team led by Mike Brown. Listen to what I just said. Young but mature. They're taking this like I was listening to some of the interviews, right? And here is like the um Here is the difference between maturity and childishness, okay? They from what I was listening to from the Kings, they're going to take this experience as a learning experience. I was listening to st- stuff that was coming out of Memphis, right? And they were like, I don't see any problems with how I talked and what I'm like, one is backwards. I'm mean, I have to do a little pause because I have to think. One, it was backwards, what Memphis said. So you don't see the problem that y'all talk all of that, did not back it up. And y'all was ducking the media for three three to four games straight. Y'all don't see the problem with that. You're childish. But at the same time, is Memphis what we expect? And the Warriors, while Steph managed to pull out, pull one out of his rabbit hat, the Warriors are still the Warriors, but they have their own concerns, especially the big one, which is that they're inconsistent on the road. And with this series coming up with the Lakers, they're going to have to pick up the slack continuously. Again, Jordan Poole needs to play better, period. Offensively and defensively, he, he cannot be taking bad shots. LOL, how that game ended last night. And Draymond, while his foolishness may be somewhat necessary, they're going to need him. They're going to need him. So he needs to be cognizant, excuse me, cognizant of where all his body parts are and what's at stake. Even though this next series could be rough due to nobody really being able to contend with AD once he gets going. Looney is not that good on his feet, and Draymond is too small. Now back to the Warriors and Lakers series. From what I've seen so far, the Warriors have absolutely nothing to contend with Anthony Davis. Looney, 
he's good with boards. He out-rebounded AD offensively. But he's too slow to deal with AD. And Andrew Wiggins quickly got lost in the sauce dealing with AD as well. And Draymond is too little. One time, this is one, this here, this Lakers team is flat out dangerous. Even when AD is cold offensively, defensively, he's been on a roll. He's been consistently on fire. It's been the past two to three games that he's had like 20s of the rebounds. What's going on? And y'all are stressing him. Chill out on my homie, man. So regardless about, because on the defensive end, he's been blocking shots, closing the paint. No. But regardless of how you feel about his offensive inconsistencies, what he's been able to do to this team defensively has been very valuable to the Lakers. And also been seeing a lack of awareness in Draymond already. And he'll probably end up getting another tech and another suspension. Expect a plethora of good physical basketball in this series. Expect the lights to be shot out. Expect some bad basketball as well. We are all aware about what happened about what both of these teams look like earlier in this season. I'm just warning y'all to have realistic expectations. And expect a new brand of AD to emerge, as he already is. Next series I want to talk about is the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Um, One, we got early signs of trouble. Phoenix, CP3, and his legacy and what Denver needs to continue to do. I want to start this off by saying that flat first and foremost, foremost, right? The Phoenix Suns are in trouble, big trouble, so much trouble they can be in danger of being swept. The problem is the Suns just don't have enough roster strength to deal with everything Denver is going to has and is going to throw at them. Between Jamal Murray getting it going. Yoke and his facilitating and plowing through stuff. And then you can get people like Michael Porter Jr. and the rest of that supporting cast going. They're hard to stop. Devin Booker and an older Kevin Durant is not enough to beat these Nuggets. And with Chris Chris Paul once again being injured and a non-factor at this point, it's ridiculous. And it's like... You, I saw the writing on the wall versus the Clippers when it took Booker and KD to give both to give everything they absolutely had to squeak out a win, a, a win versus a Clippers team that was missing one of its best stars and Kawhi had gotten hurt. So it took them, they both. Like, I knew for them to have a, like, I kind of figured for them to have a sliver of a chance in this series. If you're relying on Kevin Durant and Devin Booker to be 80% of your offense, and then your bench can't even put put up the 20% that he needs to, you're going to be in trouble. One, because... You're pl- pretty much playing two on five at this point. It's not fair. I mean, it's fair, but because it, Phoenix put this team together, but with people like Cam Ake, like 
aching and whatnot and pain being as inconsistent as they are. I don't think the Suns have a shot. I really don't. Because their supporting stars and their bench are inconsistent and their bench ain't good for much. Their bench ain't good for nothing but sitting there and looking pretty. I'm not trying to say that it's going to be a cakewalk for for Denver, but it could be because let's have some common sense. Phoenix can't chase around Jamal Murray, deal with Yoke and his plowing, and slow down whoever else has the hot hands at the same time. Uh, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant cannot continuously shoot y'all back into a basketball game. It is unrealistic for anybody on the Suns to expect that. And Chris Paul, even though he was healthy, he wasn't doing much anyway. All Denver really needs to do at this point is continue to do what they do and stay consistent. Period. Point blank. And now we got Knicks versus Heat. I got some concerns for the Knicks. What is Jimmy Butler's injury, though? And who needs to step up? Let's get it. So without Jimmy Butler, the Heat needs to step up, especially Bam. The return of Julius Randle kickstart the Knicks. Miami can still contend. However, they need Jimmy Butler. The Knicks, when they play well with Brunson, Randall, and got it, get it rolling, they're pretty hard to beat. But Miami pretty much runs on Jimmy Butler juice. And I don't know how many times I'm going to have to say that Miami's defense needs to improve before they get knocked out of the playoffs, but Miami's defense needs to improve. Out the gate, not just... Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna suck for two quarters and then I'm gonna clamp up the last quarter and a half. No. And it's they really knew, do need to clamp up a little bit on that on that perimeter. I mean, I still think that the Heat will probably win this series, but both of these teams are so evenly matched, minus the fact that. The Knicks got about two to three people that they can reliably hand, really count upon, right? The, the Heat have Jimmy. Tyler Harrow is hurt. I don't trust Cal Lowry at this stage of his career to stay as healthy as he once was. I, In all honesty, I just don't. Um, And Bam is going to have to be more. He's going to have to do more. And Jimmy's Jimmy Butler's... Jimmy Butler's injury is definitely a big deal to this Heat team. Even though both teams are pretty evenly matched and as far as injuries concerned because they were they didn't they're just now getting Julius Randle back and Jimmy Butler's hurt. But Miami doesn't have the same type of intensity without Jimmy Butler. They don't have that same type of energy. Randle is a matchup problem and so is Butler. Miami also doesn't have much of a consistent identity without Butler which is exactly why they need him. And the rest of the shooters being hot and cold. Period, point blank. So it's headline time. Headline. What te- What should teams like the Grizzlies, Clippers, Timberwolves, etc. do 
to reduce the chances of being embarrassed again. Memphis, I think I just had a whole 8 to 10 minute spill on this. Memphis needs to grow up. Period, point blank. Because you're going to get rid of Dylan Brooks, you need somebody who's going to be your, your enforcer. You need your 3 and D player. And now you need, an, and you need another big who can stay healthy. They're a defensive player and another big short of being serious. As far and as well as some maturity. They it's time for them to grow up. How many times are they gonna have to listen to people like us sit here and rip on them for being childish before they grow up? Come on. I know y'all get sick and tired of hearing this. They are who they think we are. They're front-running frauds. We wouldn't say stuff like that. We wouldn't paint these pictures if y'all didn't give us the paint to pimp. If y'all didn't give us the paint and the canvas to draw the picture with. Y'all give us this material. And then got the... I'm still tripping on the fact that that man had the nerve to say that the media and the fans paint this picture. Where we get the paint from, idiot? You bought the paint and the canvas, and you bought the brushes. Just tell me to paint the picture. You did all the work, but y'all get upset. I'm talking about the Grizzlies right now. They get upset when, oh, they're the villain, and they go, woe is me. No, no, no. Own it. And I'm so happy that Jaw is starting to own it. Like, I kind of, like, the whole world has been harsh on Jaw for the past few months. So, the fact that he's starting to own it makes me believe that this team can mature, can grow up. It's going to have to be through Jaw, though, unless the, the coach decides it wants to um take control back of his team before he get fired. The Timberwolves. Now, they what they did to get Rudy Gobert cannot be undone. Y'all can say that that was the most egregious trade of the century, and I would probably agree with you. But they can't just hop off a rule to go bare. He costs too much. No matter what you think, he costs four to five per first-round draft picks. That is a franchise-altering mistake, but they do need to retool that, that roster. And they need to make sure whoever the coach is of the Timberwolves, I don't know. Whoever the coach is needs to make sure that Cat plays like a big and not running around. When I say Cat, I mean Carl, Carl Anthony Towns is playing like a big and not a guard. He is not a guard. That big old boy running around there trying to... Shoot like he curry. He's not. They need to make sure he can stay in that paint. They do need to do a re a roster retool. And if it if it don't work, they might need to come off of Kyle Anderson because him and Rudy Gobert ain't gonna get along for the for a minute. But they might need to retool that roster. The Clippers. What do they need to do? To reduce the chance of them getting embarrassed. Now, in all my life, the Clippers really haven't done much in the playoffs. 
I'm 22 years old, by the way. So, I'm just going to say this. And some people may agree with me, some people may not. The Paul George and Kawhi Leonard experiment is finished. And it was an abject failure. And the Clippers need to find a way to come up off of not off, off of at least one, if not both of them. They can't stay healthy to save their lives. Paul George didn't play that one series, and we got a video, and he looked fine. Kawhi got banged up, like he always do. Kawhi has bad knees. See, we really can't be... Con- Kawhi- Let me rephrase that. Kawhi has bad knees, and he's always had bad knees, and he we shouldn't be expecting him to, to be able to carry a franchise on bad knees. Does that make sense? So, if I'm the Clippers, because Ty Lue is a very good head coach. I had my doubts a few years ago, but Ty Lue is a good coach. He gets his players to to play for him. He knows how to get the best out of what he has, right? He's what we like to I consider a good coach, right? I don't think he deserves that to keep putting up with the unavailability and the load managing of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And we've seen what the Clippers can look like when they have both. And we also have seen them look absolutely horrible when they have both. So it's not like having them both together is going to guarantee you a championship. They could be both be together and stink it up like we've seen multiple times. And they barely play together. So this is why I'm just like, why are they still together at this point? They barely play together because somebody's always hurt. So if I'm the Clippers front office, somebody getting put, somebody getting up out of here. Go be, go be hurt on somebody else's watch. Have somebody else do your load management stuff for you because I'm done with it. Because we're nowhere closer to a, to a finals. Y'all been together. And the time that these two have been together, the Lakers have went and got another championship. And what did y'all do? Blow a 3-1 lead versus Denver. Y'all need help. The Clippers need some milk. They need to come off of a one-of or if not both. I believe in the best interest of the franchise, it would be better for them to come off, off of both. In Milwaukee... Uh, uh, uh. So the break, I'm sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but they need better pieces around Giannis. And they need to work on ball security. Jeru Holiday has been, at times, from what I've seen in his playoffs, looked like a liability. And when Giannis isn't there, they just don't, look nearly as competent at times even when Giannis is there they don't take care of the ball well what got Milwaukee yeeted out of the playoffs is lack of ball security no Giannis and reckless mistakes Milwaukee need to do better by surrounding Giannis with talent 
that's actually capable and competent enough to not make stupid mistakes. Thank you. And another issue that's been going... Well, it's not really an issue. It's just something I noticed. There's a lot of top seeds sitting at the house. There's so many top seeds sitting at the house right now because, well, they were regular season good, but they weren't playoff season good. So they got yeeted in the first round of the playoffs. Examples, Memphis, Milwaukee, Clippers, and the Kings. Now, the Kings actually had a hard-fought series. The lick, the Clippers were hurt. Milwaukee didn't have Giannis, and Memphis. We saw the destruction, the the demolition job that Anthony Davis put on Memphis. But yeah. Next up on today's agenda, the NFL draft or the NFL picnic. We discussed this year's draft who pulled rabbits out of hats, who drafted really well, what I noticed about this year's draft, and more. Plus, now that the draft is over, we'll look at some notable free agents and discuss whether or not they'll be on somebody's roster once again. Let's get it. One thing's for sure, Howie Roseman is going to go down as either one of the greatest GMs in history as, or as one of the greatest idiots in history. This is his second straight year of pulling off master-level wizardry, wizardry at the draft. We all know what he did last year. We know what he did this year. And he pretty much went and got the entire Bulldogs defense. And they got solid signings on the undrafted free agents that they signed. Give me just a second. I can show you where they drafted. Because listen. Listen to this. Because the first round, they they went and got Jalen Carter, right? And then at the uh, end of the first round, they had another pick. They went and got Nolan Smith. Listen, and then with their, did they have a second? No, they didn't have a two. But in the third, they went and got Tyler Steen, which is offensive tackle for Alabama that I liked. They went and got Sidney Brown, which is a safety. That's the third round, okay? They went and got Kelly Ringo, or is it Keeley, from Georgia. That's a stud. That's round four. I'm just looking at their drafts right now. Because I should have had this prepared. But <clears throat> Round five. From what they had to deal with Howie Roseman went in he went and spent the bag (laughs) that man knows what he's doing so 
And then they went out and undrafted, uh, undrafted, bleh, bleh, bleh. Let me think, let me think. Undrafted free agencies. They signed Eli Ricks out of Alabama. Even though, me personally, I think Ricks should have stayed another year, but he went and got his money, he got signed, that's on him. But Howie Roseman, flat out, is making cases to be one of the greatest GMs from what I've seen. Houston did their due diligence and did pull off a draft heist. They actually traded with Arizona and managed to pull C.J. Stroud and Will Anderson Jr. in back-to-back picks. Well, from what I heard, it's just a rumor. It's just a rumor. I don't like spreading lies. This is not a fact that the Titans were trying to trade up for Arizona, and then Houston decided they wanted to get involved and messed up my pick. And for that, I hope all of your picks are a bust, mine as well. And the Falcons also drafted well, multiple. They have really good draft picks. Maybe outside the Robinson pick, even though I like B.J. and Robinson, but they didn't need a running back in the first round. But they filled a lot of those areas of need on that defense. Titans had an all-out offensive draft and got to work selecting a much-needed offensive tackle in the first round in Peter Skaronski. I hope I pronounced that right. Then they proceeded to upset their fans by selecting Will Levis and not drafting a right receiver until the seventh round. I love Mike Vrabel. Oh, and I've also heard that Mike Vrabel is being inducted into the Patriots Hall of Fame, so congratulations to him. Yada, yada, yada. But for what they absolutely needed, they did. And that's a good job for a first draft for Rand. We needed, they got death at running back. They drafted Ryan Tannehill's replacement that I have to sit there and watch. Um, They got an offensive tackle. They got multiple offensive tackles, I believe. We went and got a tight end that can block. A tight end that can catch. Oh, y'all got y'all receiver. It was just in the seventh round. Be patient. I'm going to have my, my word with Titans fans in just a second. Detroit also drafted extremely well, contrary to contrary to popular belief. Y'all are so mad on Twitter, but y'all managed to haul Brian Branch, Jameer Gibbs, and Jack Campbells in the first two rounds alone. Stop complaining and listen to what you have. <coughs> Period. And those are just some of my thoughts on I did like it. I really, like this year's draft, I couldn't really catch it because both days were on days that I was unfortunately at work. And those days happened to be the two busiest days at work. And I wasn't catching it on Saturday because I'd be asleep. But, but some of the most notable free agencies, and I can I can kind of make their... I can kind of make predictions about what what I think is going to do. Ezekiel Elliott. In all honesty, Zeke might be done. In all honesty, he's finished. Because who's going to want to pay for somebody who averages about two yards a carry now? 
who can barely get you a first down on a fourth and one. But he'll block for you. Nobody's going to want that on their roster. And the running backs that they've just drafted are pretty good. So I don't think there's going to be a place for Zeke Elliott right now. Unless somebody gets hurt. Jalen Smith should find a spot. I don't know if he's still with the Giants, but I when I read it, he was on a um, he was a free agency. He should find a spot. I know a team that needs a linebacker. You know a few teams that could use some linebackers. Melvin Gordon, I don't think he's gonna be able to find a spot, but he might be on somebody's practice squad. What really killed Melvin Gordon's career was his neck to fumble. He got a he had a really big fumbling problem. Jarvis Landry should find a spot. Granted, there was not a lot of receivers taken in this year's draft. This year, minus the quarterbacks, it was in the trenches. This was a trench draft and defense draft. This wasn't the year to go get a right receiver in the draft. Maybe next year, not this year. So, that being said, Jarvis Landry, I feel like should find a spot. Leonard Fournette is finished. So is Jadavion Clowning finished. Marcus Peter should Marcus Peter should find a spot, but he's also teetering about the finish line as well. Kareem Hunt shouldn't find a spot. I don't know why Cleveland let him go, but yeah, Cleveland also signed a dang on idiot as a quarterback. We're not gonna go there. I'm not gonna go there today. I'm gonna keep my patience and my sanity. Casey Edward. Casey Edwards. Casey Head Hayward, even though it didn't work out in Atlanta, but he's a nice veteran pickup for somebody. If you have a youthful um cornerback, like defensive back room, that is a nice veteran pickup who's still pretty decent. Logan Ryan, again the same thing. Nice veteran pickup, death filler. Akeem Hicks. Nice death piece. And Anthony Barr, I don't know how he's not on somebody's roster. That man is talented as well. But he's a nice veteran piece for somebody's locker room. I believe, yeah. And there's plenty of more free agents that probably won't find homes this year. Might just hang it up. Or might just wait until their number's called. Who knows? But we can always, I can conclude that this was not a particularly good year in terms of the current free agent market. Everybody, for the most part, has what they have got. They got their guys that they want. They do. And now for this week's edition of Joy's Timeout Session. And today, boy, I've got a, quite a bit to say. And with topics such as parody and sports, Titans fans, and more, this is a segment that is fire-packed with action. So, without further ado, let's get into it. All right. 
And the first thing, okay, welcome to George Timeout Session. And I have some things to say. And if you're a Titans fan, welcome to your tape. Because I'm getting sick and tired of y'all right now. Oh, my God. Y'all have been showing y'all's rear ends since the draft. Correct. Y'all are impatient. Y'all are rude. And y'all are out of pocket. This is what y'all need to understand. I want everybody, a Titans fan, somebody who's illogical and delusional, I want you guys to, to listen to this right here, right now. Rand has to fix J-Rob's messes. All of those, all of those misses that John Robinson did that set us back. He has to go in and fix all of those messes. And build this roster the way he and Ray will want to. Number two. Ryan Tannehill is going to be your quarterback. So you guys need to cut it out and get a grip. Because what I've been seeing is all of this little fake jersey burning and fake outrage and all this little nitpicky stuff. If y'all were, if you couch GMs were a GM of an actual team, your team would be 0 18. It wouldn't even be, your team wouldn't even be qualified to play in college because y'all are just horrible. Tannehill is your quarterback, so cut it out. Number three, this is a retool, not a complete rebuild. I don't know why y'all are out here being extra and dramatic and just stupid with these stupid theories that y'all just keep pulling out of your rear ends. It makes no sense. Have some decency and some decorum and some sense. Use your brain cells. Two, number four, the most obvious holes have been filled. Tackle. Minus the right receiver. I'm not sure about the wide receivers. I will give y'all that. But the rest of y'all acted a fool talking about Rand need to be fired. And Rand this and da-da-da-da-da. If that man was white, would y'all be doing all this extra stuff? I'm just asking a genuine question. Because I didn't hear any of this smoke. Two or three or four years ago, when y'all let John Robinson mess it all up. So now there's smoke now. There's smoke now. Y'all need to have patience, decency, respect, and some goddamn on decorum. Calling for this man's job, and he ain't, he has, this man has not had a full season to work with. And y'all are calling for his job because y'all want a wide receiver. Go catch a ball yourself. And there's your wide receiver right there. Quit being idiots. Oh, my God. Y'all are the, one of the most toxic group of idiots I've ever had the, the pleasure of interacting with on my timelines. Y'all are so reasonable. You make all the sense in the world. Y'all are so smart. You're so smart. 
John Robinson, not John Robinson, Amy Strunk, Amy Adams Strunk, and Rand and Vrabel should listen to y'all. Y'all are just that smart. Yeah, right. Put a can in it. Parody in sports. Because I've been hearing a lot about parody. Parody, not parody. Not like what that that Bart Baker person used to do like in 2002. Uh, two, 2012. <laughs> but parity, P-A-R-I-T-Y. Equality as an amount, status, or character. In sports, parity, how equal you are, how equally level you are. What does it mean? What it really does. It kind of sort of levels the playing field. So you're not really having these teams that are just super stacked. You're not, like in the NBA, there's a lot of parity. This is why the West is wide open right now. I know who's about to come out the East. It's either going to be the Heaters or Celtics. Maybe the 76ers. But in the West, well, there's parity on both sides, then, the way if you really look at it. Because the West, you could say either Denver or the Lakers. I'm not, or the Warriors. I'm never going to count out the Warriors. But the way it's looking right now, they're not, they can't continue up, keep up with Anthony Davis. But. It levels the playing field. Like, everybody is at a similar... Like, okay, here's an example of parity. Look at the Warriors' record. Look at the Lakers' record. That's an example of parity. They're pretty much equal on the same type of plan on how they played this year, which is horrible, good. Horrible, good. And the records show that, right? What it does and what it does, it makes the game fun. Like, the games. Like, in the NFL... Parody in the NFL. I remember Tom Brady had a quote about this like a year or two ago about parody because there was a lot of bad football. And he was playing bad football then too. He wasn't excused. I remember this. But it levels the playing field. It makes things more of a competition. It makes things more fun to watch. Who just wants to sit there and watch the Chiefs go to the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl every year? Did we just get out from the underneath? We just got from underneath the Patriots cloud. I don't need the Chiefs trying to form another one. Also, I highly hope the Eagles implode. But that's neither here or there. That's neither here or there. But parity in sports is a good thing. I love it. I love it. And off topic, why is the main world just trying to make this whole Steph versus LeBron thing race to five rings? Take the rings out of it. Let's just enjoy good basketball. Because we're going to see some good basketball. We're going to see some sloppy basketball. We're going to see some basketball. We're going to see some basketball that's going to make you want to curse. You're going to see some basketball that's going to make you want to drink. You're going to see some basketball that's going to make you want to do everything. So let's just enjoy the basketball here. Let's not worry about legacies of either LeBron or Steph. I really don't think. I'm not the only one that probably has this feeling. This is not a legacy thing for either one of them. Their legacies, in my eyes, are already set. Y'all can't sit here and tell me 
that LeBron's legacy ain't already set as the second, arguably the second best player in the in the history of the game. I'm going to say he's the best player in the history of the game. One, I didn't see Michael Jordan play. I didn't see the rest of these folks play. So I think he's one of the best. So I'm going to have them at the top of my list. MJ can be number two. Might cause some problems, but you know, whatnot. But this this Lakers Warrior series shouldn't just be like a legacy thing about LeBron and Steph. One, because the Lakers don't need, like I said earlier, like way earlier in the show, the Lakers don't need LeBron to be historically great for them to win. He's just there for the most part. Even though the past few weeks, well, because of Dylan Brooks, probably, because they poked a bear. The past few games, he's been going nuts, but still. If he's not going nuts... Everybody else is. Or if everybody else is going nuts, so is he. So the Lakers are still scary. The Warriors are still what they thought they are. Can we just slow down on this legacy type of talk and just slow down? Can we just enjoy the flowers? Can we just enjoy that we're witnessing this right now? Because we're not going to get the witnesses flat out. We're not going to get the witnesses for much longer. LeBron is almost 40. Steph ain't getting no younger. So let's just watch the flowers. I mean, watch the flowers. Sit back, relax, watch the basketball, and be a fan. I feel like this is one of those series that we could just take the legacy and ring thing off because whoever wins this series, they're going to the NBA Finals. That's how I feel about this series. This is one of those series that I feel like you win this series, you go to the NBA Finals. But let's just take that all off off the table. Let's just enjoy what we're thinking is going to be a very sound series. Period. That's all I'm saying. All right. Y'all know the drill. Thank you guys for listening to this week's episode of Jory Sports Stories. As always, I'm your host, Jory. And if you like what you heard, feel free to share the podcast and let's grow the audience. Feel free to follow us on social media for more news and updates. Twitter at Jory Stories, J-O-R-I-S-S-T-O-R-I-E-S. And on Instagram at J-D-S underscore Sports Stories. Be sure to tune in next week for more playoff coverage and more. And thank you guys for listening today. And I'll see y'all next week.